Good evening, ladies and gents. And this is another episode of Galanti and Chill. And of course, I, Chris Galanti, am here to break down the films of Michael Mann. I'm joined with Stephen O'Teary, Devin Kopeck, and Jonathan Suarez. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hey, How you doing? How you doing, guys? Oh, sweaty. It's sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> you're ready to feel the heat? Yeah, you're making ready a joke? The, you're making yeah. a fucking joke already? I haven't even started. Oh. Is it bad that I missed that? And I was like, no, it is hot. It is quite hot. It, it, it is very hot. Though, Just yeah. give me a moment. <laughs> before the, sh- the chicanery starts. The chicanery Ooh. begins. I just uh, need to think. I apologize. Okay, Tommy I, I, Lee I, Jones, I, relax. I, Jesus. I apologize. I apologize. Um, don't apologize. I, don't apologize. Don't, you know what? Fine. Not to him. Um, Not to his his kind. It's fine. You know what? I feel like if we get Chris going too much, uh, he might think that we're insiders. <laughs> That's another Dude. Michael Mann movie. You know what? I might become a manhunter with all these jokes. Steve. Oh, wow. You know what? There might be a crime story happening. We keep this up. Uh, you, guys, you guys better um, uh, to get in my Ferrari to tell more jokes. Oh, God. Huh. You guys are the public enemies of jokes. Oh. <laughs> There's going to be some real collateral. We keep this up. I never hey, want to do this again. Yeah, never, you know what? I never want to do this again. Hey, this, might this be the last of the Mohican Galani oh, chills? Good lord. Oh, oh dang. You just made, you just made public enemies after that one. Ooh. <laughs> That's enough. That's enough. Like a thief Ollie. in the night. <laughs> uh, Miami Hancock. Did he do Hancock? No. He no. What's <laughs> Hancock on my Michael Mann movies list? Wait, why is he? Why is he? We can just say Hancock. We can say Hancock. I don't. Dude. Yeah, that that word should be banned, dude. Why is he in this? Flag on the play. I think Hancock. he's actually in it, like as an actor. No, oh, I'm pretty sure. I'm not 100 on this, but I think he shows okay, up. Hold on. Uh, he co-produced it. Oh, never mind. So, <laughs> so yeah, guys. Oh, uh, they That's also he does appear as executives listening to oh okay. to, Ray, to Ray's lecture in a right. in the post credit in the stinger. Okay, maybe that's so, right. Yeah, uh, that's not what I. Uh, that's not what people remember him for, though, Devin. I have to say, no, uh, it's on the list. It's Hank. <laughs> that's not the Super one. Mario Brothers. He was in Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, yeah. actually, no, he, he was a Koopa. <laughs> I. Dude, I'll be honest. I had some. I have some Ludwig von Koopa hair going on right now, dude. Oh, it's, hey, my well, hair is looking. Well, that's why we're here, Devin. We're here to talk about hair. Yeah. Well, you know what? What's wrong with your hair? Nothing. You no, it just looks like this. Like, you got semen in your cat. hair, like Mary and everybody. There's something about Mary, Jesus. Everybody loves Mary. That's why everybody, everybody. Everybody came on Mary. They got come in her head. It was a bukkake. Factory. Good lord. Good lord. This is and nothing. There's Bukaki in none of these movies. I'm going to talk about. Are you sure, dude? Are you like? Are you sure? Uh, hold on. Let me. Was I it mean maybe Hancock? that's maybe that's the Miami Vice. Oh my god! <laughs> Never mind. I just thought of like you know how Hancock they have that deleted scene this where he shoots semen and it puts bullet holes. That. It's funny yeah. you bring that up because in the Miami Vice movie, he actually shows the actual Miami Vice that they put people in and squish oh. them. 
That's what that whole movie's about. I don't know if you knew that. Here it is. There's the Miami Vice. Big Vice. It's just a person stuck on his. You can easily get out, but it's the rules when you're in Miami. Get my head out of here, please. You're in the Vice, baby. You're in the heckin' Vice. That's not what that's about. Um, yeah, guys. Well, I'm talking about Michael Mann movies. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I watched. I watched 11 films. That's his entire filmography. I, well, up that's until a lot. It is a lot. Up until up Ferrari. Ferrari's yeah, coming out. Up until Hancock, right? Shut up. Enough of the Hancock. Enough. I've had enough. A little less hand, a little more Michael Mann. 11 mm. is a lot, especially because his career really started. It was, well... Is it a lot if it started in the eighties? Like it's it's that's not a Kurosawa amount of movies. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Sure, but, but still, I mean, I think it's for the better too. Like I think less is more when you really are making Hollywood movies, especially because of the budget's so yeah. big and there's a lot more pressure and shit. Like and like he kind of got his name out there via television too. Yeah, that's where he started on Miami Vice, you know, and a lot of other television shows too. <laughs> Or he was a director. Um, but yeah, Man. good good stuff. A lot of movies to talk about. But before we jump into Michael Mann, is there anything you guys, movie and TV show related, would like to bring up? Because oh, I, got I watched. Enough. I did something where I decided to taste test a bunch of bullshit. Ooh. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah dude. Oh, you you know what? Oh, there's no cinema in here, baby. It's all nonsense. Let's go. What do you got? I, really? I decided to ooh, okay, so I took I took a cracker and I dipped it into an episode of Flora's Lava. I watched an episode <laughs> oh, of Flora's Lava. That is oh, terrible, isn't it? And I went awful. Oh, nonsense. And then I took my cracker. And then I dipped it into uh, the show. I think it's called Is It Cake? Oh, my God. Is it, oh, I watched no. Is It Cake? And I went, oh, no, oh, no. no. And then I took my, my final dip and I put it into a show called Flinch. Flinch? Uh, Is that better? Was that good, at least? Okay, Flinch is a show where they go into a barn and they have all these contestants and the hosts <gasps> will randomly draw spoons with the contestants' faces on them, spoons. and whichever spoon with the contestants' face they pull, that's their sponsor. Like that's who they're sponsoring. Um, so, Steve, can I ask you a question? Is there a yeah. gas? Leak? Is there a gas leak in your house? Oh, it feels <laughs> yeah. like it. Why? It Why feels like it. Yourself, it feels dude? like it because holy smokes! They then put these contestants into these wacky contraptions, and if they <laughs> flinch at all. During their time in the oh, contraption, they extend their time in the contraption and they gain a point. So it's kind of like um, golf rules, where if you have Saw. too many points, oh. uh, you lose. Well, was there one cold sociopathic son of a bitch who won every challenge by not? No, losing? so that was the thing because it was like everybody's strengths and weaknesses were highlighted. So like there was this one girl who when okay, so they had somebody in a suit, a big metal suit made of like glass or plexiglass all around it. And it was covered in balloons. And then they had someone shooting paintballs at the suit to pop the balloons. And if the person flinched, they would, cause they had to keep their arms like in a T pose because their arms were connected to metal poles and the metal poles were in a ring. And if the ring, if the poles touched anywhere on the metal ring, it would electrocute them. Dude, that sounds. That was so 
awkward to listen to. Like, dude, I don't I even know what you watched. It. It's a nightmare. Dude, there was literally a steam whistle swinging water machine where it would blow a bunch of steam at you and whistle right in your ear. And if you flinched from the whistle, it would dunk you into water. And it would keep doing that until you stopped flinching. One of those devices sounded like a 20th, first century crucifix. Yeah. The way you described it. There was a stink railroad, Chris. What the fuck is that? They they put someone in like one of those like Hannibal Lecter things. I get it. I get it. And then they put a little tiny like train like railroad like around their nose and every car in the train had something stinky in it so like the first car was rotted meat and it had maggots on it and they couldn't gag they couldn't like make any noises or else the train would make another round with something even stinkier on it so it was rotted meat and then it became um some sort of awful cheese wow like some sort of crazy aged cheese and then it was like that rotted shark meat. What's that this called? Is, like Skarkogo or something? This is, only oh, yeah, three, yeah, yeah. this is only three months into a strike, by the way, guys. This is what we're getting. No, that's about. the thing. Like, like Steve, <laughs> are you just a Carl, like, I think it's called. A Carl. Yeah, something, Carl. something. But like, Steve, are you just prepping for like a year from now when the strike is still going and that <laughs> is legit? Because like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that you could be choosing. I want to see, there, like, there, I want to see, like, like how close to a Paul Verhoeven future we are. Oh, Jesus. well, I mean, you know what? I'm I think not... we passed that, that, that point of no return in like uh, 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I initially was embarrassed to say this, but after hearing what Steve did, I'm no longer embarrassed. Um, hmm. I watched most of Twisted Metal. Oh, Whoa. yeah. Wow. And it's, not nearly as bad as you would think it is. I, uh, I, listen, okay. the bad parts are still bad, right? Like, like what you saw, you're like, okay, yeah, this is stupid. But like, there's like a a, a doofy little heart, uh, you know, behind this show, and it's not even super charming. Um, but it's just like, okay, like I'm. These are 30, 40 minute episodes, and. I'm just watching them, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, that wasn't terrible. This part wasn't terrible. So that's the that's the level of quality you're looking for, not terrible. <laughs> I mean, I, it was no it was no people getting shocked for flinching. Okay, I guess, well, that's but fine. It's a narrative. There's a, there's a the plot. Least. Yeah, there's a narrative there that isn't terrible, you know. Um. Hey, wait, wait, wait! Did you finish it? No, I, I'm. I was. I wanted to, but I was. Devin, doing active things this weekend. Do you happen like to know fool. if anybody, if they're talking about putting anybody between two wheels? Dude. I, I'll be honest. I thought that's what Steve was describing when, <laughs> when he was like, axle. there's this guy and there's poles between it his was, arms. And it was like, kind of an Axel-esque suit. <laughs> I was... I felt yeah, really. Real. I was very front. I was that like I, we. I, I got in. I got in invited to a uh, like couple's dinner. Right. Okay. It's far more fancy than it sounds. Right. We just got like, hey, we're making burgers. Do you, do you and Jenny want to come over? And I was explaining because he was uh, the guy. He was in the same boat. He was in the exact same boat as me. He was like, yeah, like it's actually weirdly watchable. Right. And um, then we started talking, and then I was like, yeah. And then I went this whole rant. I went on the Chris Galani rant when, like, 
keeps talking about how fucking stupid those endings are. <laughs> so dumb. And like, like no, I got nothing out of them. Nothing. They were like, oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, do not. That is ridiculous. He goes to his father and rips his own arms off. People are so desensitized anymore. It's crazy. I was like, no, it's fr- that's insane. Like, yeah, think was, about it, man. Just use your um, brain for a second and think, oh think about that scenario. And the, end, <laughs> the end of that scenario where he's so angry, he rips both his arms off. Like, that is insane. So, yeah. I mean, it's great. And it's insanity, you know? <laughs> exactly. So, um, but like, yeah, it's, uh, I will say I was, I was, I was feeling real salty because I put it on Peacock, right? And I was watching the first episode and, uh, then I was like, oh, subscribe to Peacock. And I was like, I, what? Like I have Xfinity, which gives me Peacock. Not anymore. And I was like, are you kidding me? That sucks, man. That's so I, I was dang. like, what? The? I guess it's not like I was a big peacock watcher, but I was like, wow, there's finally something I could put a few hours into. And I had to, you know, watch it through other means. And I was like, you don't think they'd be like begging people but, to like, um, yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. Chris not doing very well. Like, like you would think um, they so. would just be happy to get people's Where's eyes that? on, on but, peacock in any way, shape or form. I haven't seen it, but um, I am hearing good things about One Piece, which is shocking. I, 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 I have too. Well, but before you get into that, I just want to sure. say there there is a show on Peacock that I want to watch. It's called Bub Kiss, and it's the Pete Davidson show. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, but I won't watch it because, like, I don't. I hate commercials, man. Like that's <laughs> it. Really keeps me from watching television. I'm with completely. you completely. I won't do it. I will not do it. Like that show looks good. It looks funny, but I, I, I will not do. Nope. It. I I crossed that bridge. I burned it. I'm not going back. Like I I pay for these no, things I mean, specifically to not have commercials. Listen, like, that first episode that I watched had commercials, and I was like, "This is going to be rough." And yeah, then, dude, I can't because I was also like, "Why am I getting commercials? I I have I pay quote unquote pay for Peacock, you know?" And I didn't. And then I was like, "Oh!" And then I. You know, uh, well, now there's going to be a John Wick show on Peacock, and I'm like, I kind of want to watch that, mm-hmm. but like, if I, I'm not going to watch it with commercials. Like, that's just not, it's not happening. Like, I don't even know. I don't want to pay for Peacock either. Like, uh, I'm, I'm past the point where like I've, I've locked in my streaming services. I don't want anything else. Like, I'm done. I'm out. Like. I'm even considering canceling some. Like I'm not I'm the same. I'm like flirting with like getting rid of Max. Oh yeah, that's like I don't want to do that because of Doom Patrol. Like I want to finish it. Mm. They have the part is there anything coming. else coming out in Max that is like noteworthy? I mean, I've been or... watching Primal, but I mean that's old. Um, primal. Whenever I, I, somebody I, says Primal, I just think of that liver king guy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Primals, let's eat some testicles. Stinks, man. Doesn't well, that, doesn't bathe. That 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 guy is kind of like the primal main character, but um, oh, yeah, I <clears throat> primal's great. <laughs> Max's got like the HBO shows that I like. That's why mm-hmm. I don't really want to because I got like I'm watching Telemarketers, the uh, the what the brothers that made uh, Uncut Gems. What's the hell? Uh, the Safty oh. Bros. Yeah, they're they're super produced, Safty Bros. Their executive produced documentary. That's awesome. Like I'm, I don't want to cancel that. And mm-hmm. I watch like they. Can't yeah, my be- friend, my friend started watching that, and he's like, "Dude, those guys got me. I like paid them like seventy five dollars or something one year, and then never heard from yeah. them again." Well, like the cool that, thing about that documentary the- is like the first episode. You think 
that the police aren't involved, like they're just con artists. But then the second and third episodes, like, oh, the police definitely know that what's going on, and they're definitely involved. <laughs> just can't. Oh my god, it's great! Like, and they did the great thing in like the most recent episode where like they tried to interview members of the uh, fraternal order of police all throughout the country, and they just kept getting shut down. And it's like like watching um, that Michael Moore movie, his first film. Oh god, Roger and me. Oh, was that was that his first? I always yeah. think of Bowling for Columbine. That was just his first popular movie, I guess. Right? Well, Roger and Me was about his first film was about like the car companies leaving uh, Flint, Michigan, mm-hmm. and like them, like the whole basically a whole city went into a depression and people were out of work. And he tried to interview the head of one of the car companies, Roger or something. I can't remember his name, but he kept getting turned down. And that's the whole movie, like him trying to get an interview and then being like, Nope, you got shut down again. And that's what telemarketers are sort of doing. Like failure is more interesting than success. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I think is really cool in a documentary. Um, I like it quite a bit. I don't. That's why I won't cancel Max. You know, like they still got some things. Yeah. That I like. Yeah. I, it's like Disney is the thing I'm. And it's with. called Max, which is awesome. Right? <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. I jumped from Disney, and I got I, I haven't really looked back. Yeah, I gotta do that. Yeah, you're not missing the Mandalorian. <laughs> not really. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you're not missing uh, uh, She-Hulk. They got, you know, honestly, they gotta, they gotta scale it down. Like, yeah, it's, it's the same thing where like they got, they put too much into the soup and you're like, there's no soup in this soup. It's all just like celery, poorly cooked vegetables. You gotta have that balance. So like that way I can drink the soup and I'm like, this is a good soup. This is a good soup. Gotta, gotta keep boiling it. Maybe take a little bit more time with your soup too. Exactly. Like don't I'm not put it out. I'm not there. trying to turn the soup into a dinner. I want right. the soup to remain a soup. So you just write that down in your book, Disney Wait. Marvel. Yeah, dude. I, Kenny, you, is that the Kenny Banya defense, Steve? The Kenny Banya defense where soup's Kenny not a meal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> team Team Banya. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I I think we're all at that point now with most Marvel and, and Star Wars and whatever Disney's making, like it's just too much. It's oversaturated. Yeah. Overexposed. You know, the last smart thing I feel like Bob Iger said. Yeah. I think he knows this is a lot. And then uh, he decided, it, wasn't, it wasn't keep your, our foots on their throats till they lose their homes or whatever that <laughs> quote was. Or that that was also yeah, yeah yeah that was that was yeah yeah that actually John's right that was the last best thing she said <laughs> oh god I love Disney <laughs> um oh, fuck yeah. yeah um I but, didn't watch anything in particular that was new um oh. the only thing I did watch I watched I think the last episode now I now you mention it of how to with John Wilson I think that's the last episode of that show like that is been canceled, which really is fucking sad because I, I I quite like that show, and uh, well, that's another reason for me to cancel Max. You know, like <laughs> I guess they canceled <laughs> two shows that I really quite like, and I'm gonna watch the end of it this year. Um, yeah, that's not it's not sitting well. I'll tell you that. Not making me happy. Um, yeah. John, did you watch anything? Any movies or TV shows? 
Uh, not really. Yeah, I haven't either, man. What uh, what streaming service has The Floor's Lava? Steve has to keep that one. So uh, Netflix. Oh, it's locked in. It's big bad. <laughs> locked That's in for bad, life. Bad. Dude, there are three seasons of that show. Uh, no, I remember I watched like two episodes and I was like, this is really fucking stupid. Like, this is really dumb. But I keep watching episodes of it. See, there there are a few films that I'm excited for that Netflix is making, too. Like, I want to watch The Killer, mm-hmm. the new Fincher mm-hmm. movie. That's going to be on there. Um, like, that, they still have some, like, auteur directors that I like. And I that's, like, one of the reasons I would never cancel them. Because I know Quentin Tarantino produces stuff for them. He made that Hateful Eight, that four, was that four hour long show, miniseries of Hateful Eight for them. Uh, oh. Yeah, I never watched that. That was great. <laughs> I fucking love that. That's a movie, you know, I always thought, like, every time I watch it, I like it more. I've only ever seen it the one time. I've, yeah, like, the more you watch it, the more subtleties that are going on, as believe it or not, there are in a Quentin Tarantino movies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a lot of cool shit, and I, I always like the one-room movies. Like, I always will give them a, a time of day, because yeah. it takes creativity. And good dialogue to make those work. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know that. That's why I won't cancel Netflix. They still got their foot in the grave of the things that I like. What does that mean? What the that sounds does that mean? Bad. That sounds like in bad, the grave. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what I meant by that. Uh, yeah. The foot in the grave, dude. They got a All foot in the grave. I mean, Jenny. I Jenny asked me like an earnest question. She was like, "How much do you pay in streaming services?" And I was like, "Well, I have." Oh god, I don't want to ask. Disney Plus, I would never I have want to crackle answer that. roll, you know, or crunchy yeah. roll. Crunch roll, crackle, was, crack, crackle crack roll. roll. I mean, it's yeah. the same thing, right? That's Give me some of that crack roll. I was like, uh, and then I have this, that, this, and I was like, oh my god, I was like, fuck, I, I'm gonna have to do this, break this down because I'm sure there is. I mean, to be fair, I, I've always kind of wrote a lot of it off because I'm like, oh, my mom uses this and my mom uses that's that. kind of what like, I say too. with like the password sharing crackdown. Like, you know, I'm like, I don't even know if they can watch Disney Plus because they can't watch Netflix. Yeah, like that one that I was like, because my mom's like, well, what did you change the password? I was like, Netflix changed the password. Yeah, like, sorry, but. I don't know. Yeah, I, I gotta. I gotta like too much, Devin. That's that. what I because it is. It's with. definitely over a hundred dollars a month. Sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, that's a it's lot. Fun. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna YouTube. throw something at you. Oh, it's I up. got. I got the top five uh, streaming service shows for today. Y'all want to know what they are? One Piece number one. No. No. Number one is a Netflix show. Floor is five. who is Aaron Carter? What this Whoa. year? Today for today? Is that like is that a documentary about Aaron Carter? Well, he died like this year, didn't he? Who is Aaron Carter? That is number one. Uh, followed by uh, Amazon Prime's Dark Winds. What? And Whoa. then after that, it is Amazon Prime's The Wheel of Time. All right. Followed Steve, I, by I Ahsoka. I think you're looking up a list of things that weren't watched today at all. And then, <laughs> dude, number five on this list: One Piece. Wow. I okay. thought that was number one. That's what people were saying in the Discord. I mean, this maybe the last two so days. Good. Is it good? Did you watch it, Devin? Just, just no. watch has this uh, listed out, which is actually kind of interesting. Got to ask Vicious for those top certified top frost on Rotten Tomatoes. Hey, one piece. 
There you go, babe. People 96% audience score. Dude, no way. Oof. I don't fucking believe it, man. I mean, maybe. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's, I'll say this. It's the only version of One Piece I'll watch. So, Wait, you're not going to watch the anime? The thousand uh, episodes? Yeah, There's well, like maybe. Throwing you. There's only eight. There's only eight episodes of this one. So, you know. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, that's good. I don't I like... 400. Yeah, like I... Uh, I mean, I TV shows. Even TV shows are already a commitment. Like that is beyond. Yeah, beyond. that is. Do you? Have, what do you want to be consistently watching for the next few <laughs> years of your life? <laughs> nah, nah. One Piece, sure. All right, fellas. Well, if that's all the news, new stuff <sighs> that we watched so, yeah. this week, I will uh, jump on in because we got a lot to talk about. I got eleven movies to talk about. There's a lot of movies to talk about. Um, How many movies is there are ends in Michael Mann's last name? Oh my God, Jesus Christ! Two, two Two is is each digit for one, which is eleven. I don't know what that means. So let's go (laughs) right on into it with the first film on my list. uh, Michael Mann's first feature length film that was released in theaters, and that is Thief. Uh, directed by Michael Mann, written by Michael Mann. Year 1981, runtime of 123 minutes. Uh, currently holds a Rotten Tomato score of 80%, an audience score of 81%. Uh, box office 11 million point five, and budget 5.5 million. So made some money at the box office in 1981. Now, um, you guys are somewhat familiar with Michael Mann movies. Like you've seen a few, I'm imagining, right? Yeah. See, oh, I've yeah. seen the big ones. I've seen the seen big Heat, ones. you know, that, that being his probably yeah. his most famous. Well, uh, I'd say Thief is like the prototypical Heat. Like, it's what I think is... Oh. It's Michael Mann's thing, in my opinion, the true crime genre. Right. Uh, I, I think he does that more. Almost film noir, almost. Like, very dark. Very, uh, every character is just shades of gray there's really no black and white good guy bad guy um and this film particularly centers on a thief a what they call a highline thief somebody who only robs uh very big scores and uh james khan who's the main character in this only steals ice and money he won't steal anything else ice so. as in diamonds not no like- actual ice because he's constantly warm in the movie yes diamonds of course you know uh, you can't say it with that that kind of sass you said ice like you say that normally he's so look at the ice on her on her his, finger his body temperature is 200 degrees so the whole movie constantly needs ice he's like mr freeze out. he's like mr freeze <laughs> oh i'm so hot he just melts through the safe i um, need the <laughs> ice for my wife <laughs> this is normal this isn't Mr. Freeze, guys. Uh, this yeah. is a very grounded, uh, realistic look at a a high end thief who uh, is kind of once out, which is you know a constant theme in most movies about true crime. Somebody who it's this final score to get out before you know it gets worse. One last big heist. One last big heist, and the uh, the great thing about this movie is is it's all about like being imprisoned being stuck with somebody or something in some place and not having free will to, to do what you want to do. And being a criminal is that, I mean, 
you know, you go to prison, of course, for committing a crime, but you're also in a prison of your own making because you can't have connections and you can't really live a completely normal life. Like you, you are kept from being from your dreams because of the life you choose to live because of what you're good at. And that's a big part of this movie. James Conn is an excellent thief and he uses many tools. And that's another part of the Michael Mann style is very meticulous. Um, we see all of the little tools that he needs to break into a safe. You see the, the whole process of drilling into the safe and then finding the safety latch, and then smacking that with a hammer to, to keep the, the whole thing from not locking shut so you can't get into it. Like, it's very technical. Can I ask a, a real quick interrupt question? Yeah, sure. What you got? Would you, would you say that, like, Vince Gilligan kind of is, like, a next, a new generation Michael Mann in that oh, sense? 100%. 100%. Um, I think he, Vince Gilligan is very good at meticulously crafting a scene and there's a lot of cause and effect like this happens. And the cool thing that Michael Mann and Vince Gilligan share, which I love, is they'll show you something completely out of context, some weird thing. And then the context is formed around it. And you're like, oh, now I know what you're using that for. I understand the scene had to play out before I even understood why they were focusing on that object or person or, you know, event. Um, yeah, that's very similar. And the very similar styles of shooting, like uh, this, as far as cinematography goes, very much uh, a lot of color, a lot of tinting to the camera, a lot of blue. I think Michael Mann, if I could describe him in a color, is fucking dark blue, just, just night, almost nighttime blue. Um, and you see that in so many of his movies. Um, and yeah, and this film is, is exactly that. It's very, it's stylistic in its choice of colors and its choice of tints. Um, and it's very meticulous. Like the coolest scene in the movie is him breaking into this giant vault with an oxy cane or an oxy thermal lance, which is basically a, a rod of steel with compressed oxygen in it. Oh, I saw that in Ant-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He uses that to break into the safes in Ant-Man. That's exactly yeah. it. Oxy lances, uh, and they're huge, and they and they're so bright. Like once you get them going, it's uh, it's a it's a sight, it's a spectacle for the movie. Um, but all that being said, it's a very grounded, simple story. Like as meticulous and stylistic as it can be, it's grounded in, in almost a very real place. And I think that's what Michael Mann's very good at. I think he we'll get into it, but later in his career, I think he struggles with that a little bit, but. We'll, we'll 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 get into that as well. Um, yeah, so this was um, Michael Mann's first feature after five years in TV with M M Miami Vice. That's what he's famous for. Um, but also before he did this, he had his directorial debut was the Jericho Mile, which was a made-for-TV movie. But the reason I bring that up is because the entirety of that film was shot in Folsom Prison. And he actually got to talk to a lot of the convicts about doing hard time and what it was like. Mm. And that, that informed a lot of Thief. Like a lot of it is okay. about prison, about what you, what happens in prison. It's pretty terrible, obviously. Um, but it also, the people that come out of prison, like what it turns you into. Uh, is big, it's a big part of all of his movies, you know. Um, I always find it interesting. People who are aware, alert and conscious of what they do and are pretty good at it. That is Michael Mann 
basically in a nutshell in all of his movies. He loves people that are very skilled and technical and they can do things. And that is interesting. Watching somebody who's good at something, it's always interesting on film. Um, you see that a lot in this movie. Uh, this film showcases two of Michael Mann's trade uh, trade, trademarks, utilizing light and shadow at night to evoke a sense of danger and a meticulous, like I said, meticulous sense of detail, uh, like everything that he uses in the film. So this is a, a, a very much a precursor of everything he's going to make in his future. And I really liked it. I like James Caan in it. Um, I, he's so naturalistic in this. Like I, that's something James Conn was always good at. Like he just seems like a real human being in whatever scene that he's in. Like he's very uh, genuine, um, and that I think makes for the best actors. You know, people that can be genuine and, and not over the top either. Um, and, and that's basically how I would descri describe James Conn: minimalist, but in a really good way. Um, yeah, so that was Thief. Very good flick. It's on the Criterion Collection, too, so they got a really nice uh, dub of it. It's beautiful. Um, I suggest you watch it. It's it's an hour. I think it's two hours and three minutes. Um, I, I think it's it really does fly by. It's really solid pacing, and the editing is great, too. Um, so let's move on to Michael Mann's next movie, which is nothing like anything else he's ever done. <laughs> I was going to say, like, Chris... <laughs> Of the these movies, right? I was looking through the movies, and this is the one I, you know, because I wasn't intimately familiar with yeah. Michael Mann's actual director movies, and I was like, "This sounds really interesting." It certainly pops off compared to his his you know filmography. I'm like, I "Oh, interesting." Conceptually, it's interesting. I don't. Yeah, think I mean, it's yeah. as interesting as a movie per se. Like it's. Okay. Um, it does a lot of things right in building a monster. That's sort of the main antagonist of the movie. Yeah. But like you're talking it, about uh, the keep. Yes, of course. Uh, the next film in Michael Mann's filmography is the keep. It's his one and only horror film. Um, and I would even like, it is a horror movie, but it's like very slight in, in its horror. I think Mike Manhunter is scarier, but that's more saying that's more in the thriller. Yeah. Uh, department so the tag not tagline but uh nazis are forced to turn to a jewish historian for help in battling the ancient demon they have inadvertently freed from his prison yeah uh so is the demon really good at being a demon is that he's um yeah is he well, really he's, efficient he's extreme, the hockey mask he's extremely effective and he's scary and not quite good or evil. Like, I think that's a big part of the movie is good and evil. There is good and evil, but it's all by humanity. Like, mm -hmm. humanity creates that. This demon is far above that. Like, he is almost, he thinks of himself almost like a god. And it. He's there are Nazis there, and there's a Jewish scientist, but he doesn't give a shit about either of them. He just says, they're in my keep. They're in my area. I I want one of them here to free me. I want to be gone. I don't care who it is. I want to get out into the real world and cause some havoc. I, I can't. It's my right as a weird fucking monster to do that. I mean, the way you describe it kind of gives me exorcist vibes, which is interesting. 
Well, that made it interesting because this is. I think Exorcist post- though is is more firmly into the evil and good. Like this is beyond that. Like he's just like I want to be freed, but like freeing him would doom the world because he has he's so apathetic. And is he a big scary demon, or is he just like I'm a guy who is a demon? You know, like what's a he's a big a scary demon. demon and a big Ooh. whirlwind of smoke. In a lot of scenes. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm like looking at some moving smoke with a with a flaming head at the center. So the lost monster, basically, yes. Um, and he <laughs> and he sort of functions the same way. Where like you know how they were trapping him on the island. Yeah. You know, like they kept they had those like things these those corks or whatever the fuck they had. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. So stupid. It's, I know. Kind of just as dumb, but I think a little bit more thought out in the keep where there are these like silver crosses that surround the keep on the inside and on the outside and they repel him. There's never really a reason for it. I think it has something to do with his psionic energy or telepathic abilities that are being. I mean, you say demons, I guess they could just be like religion, you know? Yeah. You know, but it's like this, this movie's so far from being religious too. Like it's not the monster. It, like they feel, I feel like the crosses, the material that they're made of is more important than them being crosses. Like the silver gotcha. is more yeah. important in some way. That's what I got. But this movie is not well made. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's where all these like, I don't know what's going on. I can't really give you a straight answer because there's He's not. like, yeah, I don't know how to deal with <laughs> demons. I just make movies about people robbing banks. Yeah, it'd be like if fucking Robert De Niro, Neil, turns into a fucking demon at the end and eats Al Pacino's character instead you're, of getting You're shot. making a bet. Is that, <laughs> wait, is that Heat 2? Is that the bet? That's Heat 2. Yeah, well, I'm not going to spoil anything. Okay, okay, uh, okay. <laughs> this is, um, it's just like technically not great. Like, there's some really uh, beautiful shots. It's it, Cinematography's good. The soundtrack's really interesting by Tangerine Dream. It's all like synth. Interesting. It's like that hard, like John Carpenter synth, which I love. Like that is soundtracks. It's like my favorite sound easily. Um, and that works like the visuals and the music work. It's just the story and the, and the characters there. <laughs> you know, like it's just not, not thought it well thought out. Um, yeah. And um, you have Ian McKellen who plays the Jewish uh, doctor or scientist or archeologist. I'm never quite sure. Um, who is brought from the camp from a from a from Auschwitz and uh, is sent to work to figure out what this demon is, what what the keep is, and he's just like, I'm only here to escape, which is smart, <laughs> you know. Like <laughs> he doesn't know anything about like the language. He, he bullshits his way through all of it. He's smart enough to do that, but he's also with his daughter, so that's his like that's their leverage over him is his daughter and the whole movie is him trying to get away, but also trying communicating with the demon because the demon sees the Nazis obviously as invaders. But I feel like that relationship that they have is very tenuous and it's not like, Oh, I need to save you Jewish doctor from the uh, concentration. No, he's like, you will get me out of here. So I am going to align myself with you. And that's basically the whole movie. You know, like uh, the doctor okay. working with the demon and then figuring out if he should let him go and or if he shouldn't. And then uh, there is like a deus ex machina that kind of shows up who's a character 
who's just like walking towards the keep. Like he's this man who's been activated since the keep is, is open now. And his name is Trismegistus, like the uh, medieval wizard of the same name. Um, (laughs) And he's like, there's this weird battle at the end that he, he does with this demon and it's so silly and never explained. (laughs) So like, I don't know what's going on. Um, it has a 44% of Rotten Tomatoes, which is deserved. Um, audience score of 43%. Uh, budget of $6 million, made 4.2 at the box office. This is 1983, so two years after Thief. Uh, 96 minutes, but apparently this had a two-and-a-half-hour cut. And um, I think you can tell that they, <laughs> they pared it down because the editing is awful in this movie. It's, and that's that's kind of rare for me to say it's very rare where i even notice bad editing but man it's bad in this movie <laughs> like, is it up there with the queen movie oh it's bad yes is a lot of like cutting from from like cutting from uh important shots that we need to see quickly so i can't understand exactly what this monster is doing or if he's transforming like they're the cuts are so frenetic and sloppy that it's just it's taking away all the information from the scene and that's never good um it just makes for a really hard to understand film hmm. um filming was grueling and once principal photography was finished additional reshoots extended the film to a total of 22 weeks of production holy shit that's a lot that's, of time that's a lot of time like half a year dude. i know dude it's like 100 some days it's ridiculous so um, it is monster movie about a demon this is kind of a this is a Michael Mann problem. I, I've seen it okay. a few times. Um, shot in Romania in a disused quarry, and that that's a cool setting. It looks awesome. Um, there's huge like towering cliffs that look like man-made, which is you know the quarry, but it adds like this alien vibe to it. Not like alien is in the alien the character, but like uh, not of Earth. Um, okay. Heavy rain is the reason why there were so many delays. It was raining nonstop, and there was a lot of exterior scenes, a lot of outside stuff. So I guess that makes sense. Uh, two weeks into post-production, visual effects supervisor Wally Vivers died, which caused problems because nobody knew how he planned to finish the visual effects scenes in the movie. Oh. <laughs> I can tell why the editing is really bad at the end, because they're trying to cover up how bad. <laughs> oh, this was like when that shit was really, oh, literally, like no one else knows how to do this. We don't yeah. have access to anybody. Yep. And I like, you know, a lot of times, not because of death, but a lot of makeup artists on films will have like apprentice with them that yeah. work with them and do stuff with them. Not because, you know, they could die. That's ridiculous. <laughs> hey, I might die here. So. <laughs> so funny. Um, yeah, but they'll have people like, uh, I know uh, Baker, you know, the famous uh, makeup artist was an apprentice under the guy who did the, the makeup for the exorcist. And he was making all of like, uh, Regan's masks to make her look like a demon. So they always have somebody who works under them. And I feel like the production was so small that that wasn't a thing on this. So definitely hurt the movie. Um, the first cut, of the, yeah, first cut of the keep ran 210 minutes. Uh, Paramount wanted a short film. It was condensed in two hour movie and sloppy editing, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, there's really not much to say about this. I feel like this is kind of a speed bump in the beginning of his career. 
And uh, as I had a feeling it wasn't good when it's like, what an interesting movie for Michael Mann to have done. But if you never hear about it, it probably means it was bad. Well, there's one thing I've noticed about Michael Mann by watching all these movies. You know, I'm going to talk about a little bit more later, but he has a hard time with emotion. (laughs) Like his movies and his characters and his plots can be a little devoid of, of emotion. They can be very cold and that works for some movies and it does not work for others. Like it cannot be applied to every genre. It works for very specific cases. Um, it did not work for the keep. And I don't necessarily blame the style. I blame more of the cutting and the, the death of the costume designer because the end, <laughs> the end monster looks ridiculous. He looks like a rubber man and it just looks bad. And, it, the way it's shot is not great. Like, yeah. it's not great. A lot not of great. issues. A lot of issues, a lot of production issues. So it's almost like that one is, give that one almost like a pass a little bit. Now, Manhunter, which is our next film, which I'm talking about, much better. Much better film. And in the same vein of, of horror, more thriller, but definitely scary and creepy. Um, of course, Manhunter is the adaptation of Red Dragon which is the first book written by Thomas Harris in the Hannibal Lecter Silence of the Lambs trilogy. And it focuses on uh, Francis Dollarhide, who is the red dragon and he kills families uh, like BTK. He'll go into a house, murder an entire family, put shards of mirror in their eyes, (sighs) uh, and then rape the dead mother's body. Yeah. He's not a great guy. Not a great would you guy. say? I would say he's not a great guy, Devin. <laughs> oh, are you, you, you want to commit? To I don't want to okay. offend. I don't want to defend him. All right. I know uh, no, but I mean, would that. you say this is better than the actual movie Red Dragon that came out yeah. years later? Would yeah. you say it's his fault that he does all this stuff, <laughs> or was yeah. it the fault of society? John, it's his fault because he's a fucking psycho. <laughs> Chris is like, yes, and I'm tired of pretending it's not. It's like, oh no. I am not that person. I love serial killers, but I do not defend them. There are terrible monsters that eat people. There's no <laughs> every one of them. <laughs> well, most of them they do. Like yeah. they're fucking awful. And I'm like, well, oh, oh, you're gonna be offended. I said you eat people, you fucking asshole. You're a serial killer. Fuck you. Yeah, right. Like they don't they don't deserve the right now chris i i i rescind that you can call <laughs> any serial killer a fucking cannibal yeah right? come come on. who yeah, cares are they gonna sue you for l- you yeah. libel come on give me a yeah break. um give me a break this is a great serial killer film like it's a great cat and mouse movie of um will graham who of course we know from the will Gwam. show um, will Gwam, as i call him will Gwam. um okay I kind of, I will admit, I think I do like the Red Dragon adaptation in that show better. Okay. In the Hannibal show? or, or Yes. Oh, in the okay. Hannibal show. Because, like, it just, there's more of the book in the show. Because I read the book. I love Red Dragon. I love Sounds of the Lamps. Do not like Hannibal. Not a good book. Um, yeah. And I, I think the Red Dragon is, like, better adapted on the TV show. But I do like the way this is made. Like I, I, I respect it. It's it's very tense. There's there's just tension building nonstop throughout this movie. There's some re- beautiful, beautiful shots 
of of a man in constant pain and suffering who's trying to hunt down these awful monsters and just wants them out of his head for good. Um, they really captures that loneliness, you know, in this movie of Will Graham. And I, yeah, like it gets the book right in, in the characters' respects. Like very, very much like the book, all of these characters perfectly adapted in that sense. But they leave out a lot of elements of the story that I like. And I'm a little, you know, not in love with it. Like they, the red dragon tattoo is not in the movie, which is... Really? Isn't yeah. it in like the... Wait, in, in this movie or the, in this movie in Manhunter? I was gonna say, as like Red Dragon, Dragon, it's like the poster. But yeah, yeah, I know, and it's a cool tattoo, and it's even in the Wait, book, so, like all that stuff. So, this, is this like a direct, um, like is this in the same shared universe, if you want to say, as Silence of the Lambs, or no? no but it's right? a, but it's an adaptation of the same book, and or the book that's in the same series. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Like that's I, I they have Brian Cox is Hannibal Lecter. Oh, so there is an actual Hannibal Lecter yeah. that's not yeah. the goat. It's not the goat. It's not the other goat. <laughs> yeah. Neither goats. Either, either goats. <laughs> and I think Brian Cox is fine. But, like, come on, man. You know? like Come on, dude. Hop. My boy, hop. My boy, my, my mad. My mad. My milk. Hop keeping a jump. Mad milk. Come on. Um, yeah, Brian Cox is good in this. He's not as just absolutely under the skin creepy as either Anthony Hopkins or Mads Milkinson. And, um, but that's not really like the crux of the movie. I feel like this movie is more about Will Graham and more about the investigation into Francis Dollarhide and the eventual, you know, capture and, and murder of Francis Dollarhide. Um, yeah, all that stuff really works very well, and it's very tense, and it's, like I said, very lovely shot. Great flick. Really enjoyed it. Um, directed by Michael Mann, written by Michael Mann. Has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Audience score, 77%. Uh, Runtime, 120 minutes. Uh, budget of $15 million, Box office is 7 And it was made in 1986, my birth year. Ooh. This movie is old as me. Movie. Old as me. Um, okay. Originally titled Red Dragon, like the book. Uh, however, Dino De Laurentiis uh, made the change after the failure of one of his films titled Year of the Dragon. So that's the only reason why it's called Manhunter, because they didn't want to associate it with another movie. <laughs> and it sucks. Michael Mann's like, this title sucks. <laughs> this is awful. It should be called Red Dragon. Um, William Peterson worked with both the Chicago uh, Police Department Violent Crimes Unit and the FBI Behavioral Science Unit, which is made famous by Manhunter, or not Manhunter, Mindhunter, uh, the TV show, which was about the origin of the baby. Yeah, the beginning of that, yeah. Uh, and, you know, they get, they apparently they, they got to, to read some pretty explicit shit. Like, I know Michael Mann was pretty turned off by the whole experience. Um, you soft. know, yes, very soft. <laughs> You probably had him listen to that fucking <laughs> toolbox murder tape, and he was like, yeah. "Oh god!" <laughs> while David it. David Fincher is like fucking eating a sandwich and shit, while while listening to that shit, <laughs> eating the sandwich and drinking his Sprite um, lunchtime. 
Brian Cox, who played Lecter in this film, said that characters who are a little bit nasty are best played by Europeans. Hmm. How do you guys feel about that? I kind of agree a little bit. I mean, it's because, like, they, you know, it's like it's the, the British, the British villain. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's a you got a Hopkins it's a Trump British? for sure. Milkinson is Norwegian. No, no, I'm sorry. He's from uh, oh god, Belgium, I believe. Uh, I thought he was Norwegian. Yeah. No, he's Belgian. Not the 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 scars guards are Norwegian. Danish. He's Danish. 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 Thank you, Danish. Um, yeah, I think there's something to that. I think that makes sense. Um. There is nothing in Manhunter which is just a nice shot. It's all focused into conveying that particular atmosphere, whether it's happiness, delusion, or disillusion. Uh, that That's the editor of Manhunter talking about the film. Very cool uh, way of looking at it, because that's very true. It's very evocative. This film makes you feel tense and scared and happy. It has a very good understanding of human emotion. And I think this is Michael Mann learning a little bit too. Like that's what he has to do to make a movie. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta shoot things that you know emote, man, and make you feel. And uh, he's got a good grasp of that in this film. Um, yeah, I think the the best shot and the best scene in this movie is uh, Freddie Lowndes in the wheelchair on fire, being rolled down the parking lot ramp. Like that's a pretty in- iconic for me that loves red dragon scene and they nailed it. It's really cool. Kind of reminds me a little bit like a Sam Raimi scene. If you watch it in man on earth, it's, it's kind of a little over the top, but it fits because it's a man on fire on a wheelchair. It's terrifying. Um, yeah, really enjoyed this movie. Uh, like, I, like I said, like a big part of Michael Mann's style, the strong color hues and tints all present, lots of blues, lots of reds, obviously. Um, yeah, that I really love his use of color. It's very it's gorgeous, and it's emotional. That's where the emotion comes from, and he's starting to understand that. So now we move on to the next Michael Mann film, and that's The Last of the Mohicans. Oh, man. Perfect I really, movie. I really love this movie. It's a great <laughs> movie. That movie's very good, yeah. I really fucking love this movie. I, it's like, it's so... It's like a classic Hollywood movie, too. There's like this kind of romance that's going on, but it's really kind of like a, a, a heart drama with a lot of action. Like, man, nails it in every way, shape, or form. And you, know, you talk about emotion-filled, this movie is. And I, I figured it out while watching this. Like, the thing that Michael Mann truly needs to capture, that, um, that to get out of that cold streak that he usually kind of sits in is really emotive actors, actors that really bring a big presence to the screen. And Daniel Day Lewis, man, he is fucking huge. In this is this movie. was this his like first major role? I mean, it's the first one that I, I remember. The first, yeah, it's the first like movie I remember Daniel Day Lewis being in. Me too. It was the, the one before this, which he got all the acclaim for, was My Left Foot. That was yeah. his first. And I feel oh, like yeah, we were yeah, just yeah. like too young at the time, you know. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I missed that. One. I don't even think I've ever seen that movie. But like, he's very method. Like in this and in that, like he was in a basically a wheelbarrow for the majority of production in my left <laughs> foot, like, which sounds really like the crew hated him because they had to keep carrying him around. Every- <laughs> so silly when you think about it. But he's fucking Daniel Day Lewis, man. Like he's a great actor, and he's the goat. He's the fucking goat. 
Like I, in this movie, they built him a rifle, which was like time accurate. And it was called the deer killer rifle, which was something that was used by a lot of native Americans at the time. And, uh, Daniel Day Lewis learned to track and skin animals, build canoes, fight with tomahawks, fire and reload a 12 pound flitlock on the run. His rifle never left his side, not even for Christmas dinner. So that's kind of the level of uh, method that he got into in this movie. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously he's retired now. It has, like, uh, one of the best, you know, claims to, to being one of the greatest actors of all time. But, like, that's that's pretty douchey, dude. <laughs> yeah, pretty it's like, really, dude? Fucking really? I hate method actors. Like, I get, like, that's where it starts. Like, when you think of, like, obnoxious method acting. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're like, oh, oh, it's the guy that just, like, is too fucking lame to well, give Devin, up his stupid gun while we're eating dinner. Here's the thing, man. You gotta be really, 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 really good to make me not think you're an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Like, you gotta be <laughs> so really insanely good to, like, make me look past some of that stuff. Yeah. I think Daniel Day-Lewis is that good, though. I do. Yeah, like, no, I, he's, he's... He's a very talented actor. And he's incredible in this movie. Um, and and he plays a really it's a sad character. The, the movie's very sad. It's it's a tragic film in a lot of ways. Um, a lot about like the lo- loss of love and the loss of your people. You know, not having anybody being alone. Like I, again, a very common theme in these movies is loneliness. And this movie is very much about that. But it's also a fucking rad ass action movie where fucking Daniel Day Lewis is blowing people's heads up and hitting people yeah. with tomahawks and, and that shit. Crazy! I don't even know what is that song at the end of the movie. Like, what is that instrument? That song fucking slaps, man. That scene rips, dude. Yeah, Trevor Jones. Oh my god, that guy! The soundtrack is phenomenal. Phenomenal. And that one song you hear throughout the whole movie, it's just so, it's like fucking huge. It's loud. It's, it's, it's fast. It's bad. And the pacing is really fast. It gets your heart mm-hmm. going. It's such an important song for the movie. And it fits almost every scene that it's in. It's lovely. Um, yeah, this, this is just a great movie. Um, directed by Michael Mann, written by Michael Mann. Rotten Tomatoes score of 94%, audience score of 88%. Uh, box office, $143 million. Big, big, big hit. Obviously, should have Budget, $40 million. We did this for $40 million. Very impressive, oh, especially wow. yeah, during the time. Not that expensive. You know, and, it, and these scenes are big, and he built a fucking fort for this movie. Like an actual revolutionary or French and Indian War type fort. Um yeah, there's a lot of a lot of big scenes to it, and it's somewhat cheap, you know, in, in, in consideration of the other movies coming out around that time. Of course, this was made in 1992, uh, as a runtime of 112 minutes. Um, flows by, just a, a, such a fast-paced movie, and you care about everybody. Like, a, a very relatable characters, like, great, great stuff. Um, Christopher Crowe. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's one of the writers. Michael Mann and Christopher Crowe wrote this. Uh, based off the book of the same name, written by James Fenimore Cooper, written in 1863, I think, if I remember correctly. This is an old-ass motherfucking book. 
and it was adapted perfectly for a modern audience. And that's all Michael Mann. I really uh, Michael Mann and the Batman villain. <laughs> Crystal Crow. Crow? What was his name? Christopher Crow. <laughs> yeah. I'm Crystal Crow. That's hard to do, to modernize an old story like that. That's, that takes uh, a, a good writer, you know, being able to adapt something good. And uh, I respect that. Uh, much care was taken with the reinvention of the weapons used in this film. They used real tomahawks that were time accurate. They made real muskets that fired real bullets. This was all legitimate materials, tools, and weapons that were used at the time during the French and Indian War. Uh, a very much close attention to detail for the clothing, the sets, all that stuff. Uh, Michael Mann asked Trevor Jones to provide an electric score, but Jones decided an orchestral score fit the film better. God damn, is he right? <laughs> yeah, much. He made the right call. Yeah, I don't. That wouldn't work at all. Um, good on Trevor Jones. Uh, Dale, yeah, talk about Dale Uh Yeah, just a, a great fucking movie. Great to see it again. I've watched it a lot. Like, we used to watch it in class all the time in like high school, middle school. I did a report on the Herons, who were the villainous Indian tribe in this film. Ooh. Um, about how they eat, ate the hearts of their enemies and all like, that. In cream. summary, we were right to take their land and <laughs> bring oh, civilization God. back. Uh. Well, the Hurons <laughs> were in a fight with the Cherokee at the time. Like They were actually yeah. at war with one another. Um, and the Hurons were always noted as being like... The, the most brutal and the most morally ambiguous. Like they, they sided with the French a lot. It was just like using them for their economy with like furs and shit like that. Um, and spices. So like they weren't the best people to begin with, but still had their land stolen from them and still were forced to murder people, but they didn't want to like, it's this whole movies about like, uh, people coming into another person's land and taking over and taking their lives and shit. Like it's sad, sad shit. Um, yeah, just a great movie. Really respect it. Loved it. Watch it again. If you get a chance. Oh man, this is just banger after banger here. Um, so I'm going to talk about heat. Heat's the next movie on our, on our list here. Goat, is, also this, known as Goat. Also known as Goat, also known as Awesome, also known as Ratio to every movie other, that ever existed. Also W, also Noel's champion. Mm -hmm. um, this, <laughs> this is everything. I, I, I love this movie so goddamn much. I love it. I will watch it. I used to be, it, when it was syndicated, I would watch it. If I caught like any part of it, I would sit down and watch the rest of it. So enthralled by this film, um, everything—the plot, the 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 way the, the cinematography, the acting—just so tight. Everything's tight in this film and precise, and the pacing is nonstop, and you're constantly moving. And the characters are great, and you relate to them. And it's it's about a thief, you know, a, a real highline thief, like like in Thief, uh, Michael Mann's first movie, and a, a cop who's obviously on cocaine. Just every scene, he's in, he's just he's insane. And man, like this might be my favorite Pacino performance, and that says a lot because I love Dog Day Afternoon, I love the Godfather series, but he adds so much to this movie. Like it's such a kind of 
slow burn and everybody's kind of dry and then he his character is big and bombastic and saying like don't waste my motherfucking time like saying shit like that and mm-hmm. like she got a great ass you know like that scene is iconic like i used to quote that non-stop you know me and my brother used to say that all the time he's got a great ass and your head's all the way up in it you know like that shit <laughs> so fucking good Ah, and uh, people think he's, like, overacting. No, 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 no. I think it fits the rest of the movie because Neil, Robert De Niro's character, is so calm, and he's collected, and he's meticulous and detailed. And then Vincent Hanna, Al Pacino, is is explosive and emotional and, you know, d- will never give up. Full of willpower and drive. Like, it's such a good juxtaposition of characters. And they're very similar people. And... That also makes for an interesting dynamic because they're meeting up with one another, the cop and the criminal meeting in a coffee shop and talking about how they're going to kill each other. You know, (laughs) that's a fucking great scene, man. Um, And apparently it was based on real life because he was based on the true story of Neil McCauley, the character's name in the film, a calculating criminal, an ex-Alcatraz inmate who's tracked down by Detective Chuck Adamson and killed in 1964. Whoa. Yeah, dude. Um, and I read up a little bit. He was shot on somebody's lawn while running away with diamonds. <laughs> so Jesus. It's a fucking insane story, man. And uh, I'm so glad that he, he, Michael Mann heard that story and was like, well, this has to be a movie. Like, he just, he had the sense to, to start writing. And man, um, I'm glad he did because this is my might be one of my favorite crime movies of all time. If it wasn't for Heat, you wouldn't have The Dark Knight for Christ's sake. So it's just basically the same it's plot. True. Like it's it's <laughs> the same tone as Heat. Like uh, that opening bank robbery scene. If you cut the Joker out of that, that is a scene from Heat. Like it's solid shit man and it's been reused and re readapted and stolen from nonstop. um originally written to be a tv show like miami vice would have never worked has to be a movie i think it's a bad idea i really do yeah. um man michael mann hired a british ex-special air service sergeant that provided live fire training with real ammunition before the scenes they were shooting real bullets, just like Keanu Reeves does for John Wick nowadays. They were doing that back in 1995. Um, and originally, Keanu Reeves was supposed to be Val Kilmer's character, Chris. Hmm. But he wanted to be Hamlet in, in a theater production. So he did that. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, Val Kilmer's pretty great. Val Kilmer is fucking awesome in this movie. Yeah, so I guess. And like, I, listen, I love him. But Val Kilmer is a, a better actor. I, I, I kind of agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, he, uh, yeah, just so many characters, so many memorable characters. And to be in a movie with De Niro and Pacino and to kind of be as good or on that level, you got to be good. you got to be talented. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, De Niro is phenomenal in this movie. I didn't even talk about him. Like Playing a character that he has done a few times, but much more refined and much more personable too like i feel like that's a big part of it um i see precursors of vincent from collateral and neil too like where where that that next you know a movie he makes years later very similar 
types of people. Um, and again, about loneliness, about like the idea that you can't have anything personal in your life. Anything that is personal needs to be dropped within 30 seconds if you see the heat coming around the corner, as Neil keeps saying in the movie. And that's really sad. <laughs> it's a sad fucking life. And um, yeah, we, we see two men who, if they weren't thief and, and cop, they weren't criminal and police officer, they'd probably be friends, you know, with uh, Vincent and Neil. Like they meet up and they're just kind of similar in a lot of ways. Like lives are ruined because of the things that they're good at, which is, again, tragic, yeah. you know. Um, so much to talk about. And the fucking bank robbery scene. Good Lord. <laughs> Copied by video games, nonstop. The the botched bank robbery and heat. Is yeah, there's a whole uh-huh. genre of video games. The Payday series. Yeah, dude. It's just heat. It's just fucking that scene in Heat. That that botched fucking robbery and heat. Yeah. That is iconic. That's truly iconic. I think that stood the test. Most of, time. of GTA. Most of is, fucking GTA. Yeah. yeah. Like Michael. In in GTA Five is a yeah. shittier version of Neil, basically. Claude, Claude in GTA Three. I mean, that was a box bank robbery too. Yeah, right? yep, yep. That's definitely so. Like, ah, it set the standard for so many things. That scene, that action scene, it was huge in the nineties. I think a lot of movies, like The Matrix, they get a lot. Of, the Matrix gets a lot of acclaim, and it's deservedly so. But I feel like you know, shoot the clock back four years, look at that scene in Heat. It's phenomenal. And I think it also is just as impactful. Uh, yeah, just great movie. Great, great, great. Um, Al Pacino revealed in 2016 that Hannah was chipping Coke, as they used to say back in the 80s, where you're just doing a little bit every once in a while. Just to, just to get through the day. Yeah, a little snortsky. Where to... you go home to your bitch wife. <laughs> it's basically Vincent Hannah. Who hasn't cooked dinner. And it's funny because she's not a bitch at all. And he's just like <laughs> completely absent from his, her life. And, and he's just like, he's not a good person at all. I would never describe him as a good person. The way he treats his CIs, his confidential informants, the way he talks to people. Like, yes, he's doing a good thing and he's trying to stop murderers. But like everything else in his life is falling apart. Um and all the shooting was done on location in California, the scenic L.A., all in, the, all in L.A., basically. Um, and it shows. It has such a particular feel, and the setting is important, too. Everything's bright in, in sunlight, and then at night, there's this dark blue that resides everywhere. And Ah, it's just the best Michael Mann movie, <laughs> hands down. Like, there's no, there's no better one than this. Uh, yeah, just great. 170 minutes. I don't even, I don't even think about how long that movie is. I just watch it whenever I see it. So it's, it's long, apparently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Fine. Three hours. Sure. Yeah. Give me more. I don't care. Like I'm fine with that. Uh, worth every minute. Just great, 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 great. And this is the reason why I really watched all Michael Mann's movies. It's 100%. Um, so let's move on. So that's, by the way, just letting you know, three movies in a row, I think are all phenomenal. Manhunter, Last Mohicans and Heat, all around the, the early nineties. Yeah. That's a hell 80s. of a run, dude. Yeah. It's, it's dude deserves the credit for those three movies alone. 
I will say, though, as I go on, it does get worse. <laughs> like it, He takes kind of a sharp dip in quality, except for one movie, he kind of bumps him back up, but then it's back down, at least for me, particularly, personally. Um, and now his next film, The Insider, which is uh, a good movie, a good movie, um, very much Oscar bait. It's, it's about um, a man named Jeffrey Weigard, who was a whistleblower for tobacco companies in the 90s or in the 80s or early 90s. And basically the whole idea was the tobacco companies were denying the fact that nicotine was addictive. Uh, they, they would, the CEOs of the companies would, were in front of Congress and they were basically like, we had no idea. Nicotine, the, the you, yeah. who could have thought? And uh, Jeffrey Weigard is basically like, oh, they fucking knew. And not only that, they hired me to make nicotine more effective by adding ammonia to cigarettes. And so it's, it's, it's kind of breaking down their plausible deniability. And uh, he did it and they didn't like it, Devin. Those tobacco I, company people did not did like tobacco it. didn't I bet you they didn't like those truth commercials. Nope. That were on MTV. Do. I don't think they like the warnings or any of that junk. I think they were really upset with this Y Guard fella. And they didn't just wag their fingers at him either. It seemed like they had people follow him. And they send the Marlboro man. <laughs> Nope, Joe Camel, but you're close. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, they they sent people that monitors house used to watch his kids. They would send, leave threatening uh, phone messages to him. They would put bullets in his mailbox. Really fucked with this guy's life. And uh, Russell Crowe in this film plays Jer- Jeffrey Weigard, and Al Pacino plays a sixty minutes correspondent who is looking for the next big story and who always has a penchant for taking stories that are a little hot, a little hot, you know, like they're, they're controversial. So he finds Jeffrey Weigard and they end up doing a special on him and they have Christopher Plummer playing Mike Wallace from 60 minutes. Um, So it's like, there's a little slice of real life. This is obviously based on a true story. Um, And, 60 Minutes decides not to air it and it becomes a whole thing where they're being puppeted by their corporate interests and Al Pacino is very pissed because he's a truthful journalist and that's basically the whole film, you know? Uh, Pretty simple, all things considered and again, you know, real life was based off of real life, real life occurrence. Um, It was nominated for seven Academy Awards including Best Picture and Best Actor. And this was, I believe, the year after Gladiator. So it was Russell Crowe. 1999? Maybe. Or like the year, let's see. I can't Uh, remember correctly. Yeah, give me a second. But Uh, I know this was like a big year for, or next year for Russell Crowe, because he got nominated again. And he's he's really good in this, too. Like, I I really like, I always like Russell Crowe. And whenever I see him in movies, I think he's, Generally yeah, no, that actor. dude's a good. He's he's good. He's yeah, really he's good. good acting. He's he's can be funny. Like he's a great dramatic actor. Uh, Gladiator was two thousand, so it was Insider, then Gladiator. Wow. And I kind of remember hearing because, like, I, I didn't really watch LA Confidential, but like, I remember God, hearing a cool. lot of good stuff about the Insider. Although, again, in the 
late nineties. That's not targeted towards me. You I'd know, say, I'd say watch Ellie Confidential off the insider. Yeah, <laughs> Ellie Confidential fucking rocks, man. Yeah, no, that, I've I've seen it since. Oh, so you have seen it. You have, okay, yeah, that movie yeah. fucking rocks. Um, and Russell Crowe is amazing in that movie. Um, Crowe put on thirty five pounds. Probably wasn't hard for him. Shaved back his hair. Oh, <laughs> Russell's getting it from Chris Galanti. Boy, I like him. He's fat. a big guy. I like him fat. I hope he's healthy though. Um, shaved back his hairline, bleached his hair, and had daily applications of wrinkles and liver spots, 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 to pay, to play the 54-year-old Weigart. And he was a little unsure about this because he didn't want to play an older man because he was, I believe, in his mid-30s, early 30s at the time. Yeah, I mean, he's, again, you know, in movies and all that, but he's in, he's in pretty good shape in Gladiator, which... I know released a year later. I know that movie was. Who knows when it was shot? Because that movie I think had a I lot think he turned that thirty five pounds into muscle for Gladiator. Yeah, you know, I bet he had to bulk up for Gladiator anyway. So you know, whatever. That's more insider baseball stuff. Um, Mike Wallace, played by Christopher Plummer, said that two thirds of this film was accurate, but disagreed with his portrayal in the film. Yeah, I would too. When you're siding with the fucking corpos, Mike. <laughs> Wallace, <laughs> Mike, Mike, Mike. <laughs> uh, the Insider has a Rotten Tomatoes score of ninety six percent. A little Whoa. high, a little high for me. A little high, gotta admit. I think this is also the beginning of Michael Mann making movies that are so dry they're kind of boring. But I mean, like, do you, and this is just let's be honest here. Is do you feel like that because this is following Heat? No. You know? No, okay. because I, okay. I watched this. I watched this. I watched Heat last. Like, I, oh, okay, okay. I thought you just watched it in chronological, chronological order. I've been stopping doing that. I just go what you know, like what I want to watch. It makes it much. Yeah, better. that's fair. That's fair. And, yeah, this didn't. The heat quality did not affect this. I just think it's <laughs> the heat effect. The heat effect. It, it didn't make this any worse than it already was, and I that Ooh. sounds really bad. Um. It's just not like I like Heat more because of the type and genre of film it is. Like I, yeah. you know how biased I am against uh, biopics. Like I don't like them. I mean, listen, you're no Logan Paul. You didn't walk out because everybody was just talking <laughs> during Oppenheimer. Well, I was thinking about tweeting it, but I didn't. So. Um, it turned off the insider. It was so boring. Everybody was just talking. It is a lot of talking, though. If Logan Paul saw this, he'd not be happy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Logan, Not Logan Paul certified. This is, but yeah, I, I, I think he is Logan Paul certified. Last one, he can manhunter. Keep? No. No, no, no. And Thief? Nah. nah. Logan Paul would shut that off. Um Ali is the next film on our list. Oh, forgot to do the box office. Insider made uh, sixty million, and it was budgeted for a, budgeted at eighty million, so it lost some money. But it was a critical darling, so mm-hmm. there is that. Um, um, Ali, million. Ali, most boring boxing movie I've seen in a oh, long time. I'm, right? What yeah, is that it's about? Shockingly boring. Yeah. Like you have the most charismatic athlete. <laughs> To ever exist. <laughs> yeah. And Play, played boring. by one of the most charismatic actors. What you know? the hell happened? <laughs> and it's just a weirdly, shockingly boring boxing movie. And I think there's stars, there's shines, like shines of light 
in this. There's little bits, specks of light. Like, I do like Jamie Foxx in this because he's so, like, over the top and silly that it just makes it less, makes it somewhat interesting yeah. of a movie to watch. Um, and I think Will Smith is really, he's really trying, man. I think this is probably his best performance, too, which is kind of sad because I feel like the movie fails him because it's not interesting. It's very dry. It's slow. Um, and even the fact that most of these boxing scenes, which is something I thought was pretty interesting, most of these boxing scenes, there's real boxing going on. 80% of those scenes, they're really hitting each other. Their only caveat that they gave was to not knock Will Smith out. And all of the actors that played these characters, like Sonny Liston and, yeah. and Joe Lewis, they were all ex-heavyweight champions in real life. So it's like... Yeah, like- yeah, I think James Tony played himself. Yeah, or, well, or oh, I'm sorry, James no. Tony. That's stupid. I think, uh, I think James Tony played. Yeah, or Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier. Yeah, I think I'm I was sorry. gonna say he played Frazier. He played Frazier, I believe. But yeah, like there's real boxers, and you can tell they're fucking jacked as shit. And so was Will Smith. Like Will Smith. This was the movie that, like, where Will Smith got into shape and then stayed in shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he I, got I he got action lead shape you know yeah and it's 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 because like physically he's there mentally he's there with his performance it's just so much of the movie kind of fails around him and it's such a quiet movie too like who was this made for michael man (laughs) yeah weirdly muted i don't understand what audience you're trying to capture with this but whatever um, it's directed by Michael Mann, written by Michael Mann and Eric Roth. Uh, also, Stephen J. Ravel and Christopher Wilkinson, who I believe one of the three of those guys is a Muhammad Ali historian. So that's like why they brought him on. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's also, I mean, Chris, you saw it, you've seen it far more recently than I have, but would you say it's almost like a by the numbers biopic? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, yeah, so it's like, I, okay. I, I, I like that it kind of broke his life up into the fights, which I think is optimal, like what you would want to do if you're making a Muhammad Ali movie. Yeah. But I think he threw in so much other commentary that it just drugged down all of the pacing for those fight scenes. It made him kind of made you kind of bored, really. Um, because listen, the film is about the civil rights movement, it's about being a Muslim, it's about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, but maybe it shouldn't have been like i understand those characters or those people in real life historical figures and great men were big parts of muhammad ali's life but in a movie like this where it's dragging everything else down you gotta ask yourself like what am i making like am i making a movie about muhammad ali or am i making a movie about racism in america or am i making a movie about the muslim movement and the black communities in america you know like yeah it's very muddled in what it's trying to say. Um, but Will Smith and John Voight both received Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor nominations for this film. Uh, John Voight plays Mr. Howard Cosell. And he does... Um, pretty. He's pretty good at this, I gotta admit. Like he's, he plays Howard Cosell. But it's almost like kind of like a joke. Like he's imitating him a little bit. Oh, well, it's <laughs> fine. Um... I never get that nitpicky about those types of performances because the people will be like, oh, he's not playing the character. He's imitating character. Of course he's imitating the character. He's an actor. <laughs> and he's <laughs> not him. Yeah. 
exactly. What do you want, dude? Like, that's such a bullshit criticism when I hear that. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, the producers basically begged Muhammad Ali for his rights to make a movie in 1992. And during that whole time, both Ron Howard, Barry Sonnenfeld, I think Spielberg was attached at one point. But eventually it was given to Mann after his nomination for The Insider, for the movie that came out previously. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, Devin's right. It's just such a boring movie about boxing, of all things. Like, uh, it's kind of d- disappointing, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. Rotten Tomato score sixty-eight percent, audience score sixty-six percent. I think that's that's earned sixty-eight percent. I think that's spot on. Mm-hmm. Box office of eighty-seven point seven million with a budget of a hundred and ten million dollars. I don't know if I necessarily <laughs> see the budget in this movie either. Yeah, because like I mean, like Will Smith's popular. I don't know if it was like, eh, I don't know. Maybe Will Smith got a lot of that money. I would imagine he did, but like still, like what is that? Twenty million, thirty million. There's another yeah. ninety million. Uh, just really in Manila was a cool scene. Well, <laughs> you know, they shot in New York, they shot in Chicago, Miami, and Mozambique. So like, yeah, they the 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 moves were expensive, I imagine. But um, yeah, just a, just a boring movie. One hundred and fifty eight minutes. Now one hundred fifty eight minutes, uh, or or I'm sorry, one hundred and seventy minutes of heat is way more entertaining than 158 minutes of this movie. <laughs> it's just, it kind of boggles my mind a little sometimes, but I guess it's just the way it was made, you know? Now, we're getting to the bump up, where I think Michael Mann was kind of headed on a, on a downturn for me when I was watching this, but this, this bumped him back up, and that's collateral. But fuck it. Yeah. Really, really, really so good. Collateral. That movie's awesome. <laughs> and it kind of made me... I liked Tom Cruise. This made me kind of love Tom Cruise. I kind of agree with you. Like, I think yeah. this is uh, one of his best performances, hands down. Um, I have a, a personal favorite in his Magnolia performance, but I feel like Vincent is very close in his want of to do something great. Like, I feel like, listen, I like the Mission Impossible movies. I don't think he's acting the best. Like, he's doing crazy shit. He's doing crazy stunts. But he's really just the same character, obviously, throughout. And Ethan Hunt's really not that complicated of a character. He's a, he's a hero. He's a hero. There's not too much to chew on outside of he's the hero. Exactly. And that works. It works for the films because they're really just action spectacles. And that's fine. But in this movie, he's really giving it his all. And you can, you can really tell. And he plays a very gray... He's pretty evil in this, but like <laughs> you relate to them. You, 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 you kind of care about what he's saying. And of course, what is he talking about? Loneliness, loneliness, which is again, constant, constant theme, lonely characters that can't live in the real world because of what they're good at. Huge part of all these movies, but it just works so fucking well in this. And imagine a movie where instead of Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx, you got Russell Crowe and Adam Sandler. <laughs> Because that was almost going to be it. Oh, man. Oh, that's a weird universe. That's a, that's a goofy comedy. That's, that's, a, a, that's goofy, a slapstick comedy. Goofy comedy. Because I know Although, Russell Crowe would play it up a little, you know. Yeah, and like, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a fucking slapstick. That's what Was that this is. around what, the time where Jamie Foxx was like 
still known for like Ray. Yeah, like what period of like Jamie Foxx was this? Actually, was this before Ray? Two thousand four. This might have been before Ray. I feel I like this was, was like his first like s- around here was like when he started getting like super serious into acting. Yes, yes. I think where he started to work with like high end directors. Yeah, knew what they were doing. Uh, Ray was oh for collab- So this was the same year. Same year. Oh my okay. goodness. Okay, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Because it seems like Steve's right. It's when he started taking his acting career really serious. Like, what and was he known for before this? I, I kind of forget. My brain is just Oh, Steve in Living Color. Oh my god! Like <laughs> that seems like so distant. I know. From, like the Jamie Fox I think of now. He was Laquanda, who he he cross dressed. And he had all this Vaseline all over his lips. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I think, okay. I mean, honestly, um, he, he was in any given Sunday, you know, he played like the main guy. I remember my, wasn't my, Al Pacino. My dad, me and my dad went to go see that. And he said, it seems like Jamie Foxx is afraid to be on the camera. <laughs> That's what's this wow, description of his performance at any, any given Sunday. And I kind of understand it because he's like, I, He's a little unsure of himself. Like the confidence isn't there yet as yeah. an actor. He was also he he was you know he was an Ali, I guess he was an Ali, and he did really a couple good of years that, before yeah. that. Yeah, in two thousand one. Like I really think he that that could have been. I think Ali got gave him a taste of like yeah. Ooh, like what if I was like really like really tried <laughs> during some of these movies. He played an insane character in Ali. He was a he was a black Jew with a bunch of Muslims around him all the time. Like he, he was an alcoholic. Like. Who also I found out while looking it up, Muhammad Ali probably invented rap. By the way, <laughs> like, he, oh, okay, which is like an interesting thing to think about. But like, he was rhyming and freestyling before anybody else was, and it was Jamie Foxx's character that kind of came up with a lot of that. So interesting, interesting little tidbit of history. Huh. But anyway, that's neither here nor now. I'm talking about Collateral. Um, yeah. Collateral, directed by Michael Mann, written by Stuart Betty. Um, Jamie Foxx received the Best Supporting Actor nomination and the film a Best Editing nomination. Now, all that being said, as much as I love this movie, as phenomenal as it is, as the performances are great, script's great, the movie, you watch it now, it looks like it was shot on a laptop webcam. Yeah, this was yeah. this was oh, like oh yeah, this was yeah. around the time where they people first started getting their hands on consumer prosumer grade um yes. like uh, uh cameras like if you watch um what was that movie days called Twenty Eight Days Later Thank you if you watch <laughs> that now that movie looks like dog shit yeah it does <laughs> like those movies were not meant to, like that's the problem when you shoot on digital yeah. movies that were like in the early days of shooting on digital where like you can't blow up a negative no, for digital film. Awful. It's awful, yeah. Well, dude, it's, and it's a so, shame. There's a lot of pixelation. There's a lot of artifacting. Like it's, uh, it's a hard movie to rewatch in that sense. Everything else is great. This, this is going to be, um, I hate saying this, this would be one time where putting a movie through like, an AI process to clean up pixels for a Maybe. digital. Like, <laughs> like, I would keep that like to like minimal things like movies that are like 
it's movies that should be preserved from a time period where it's like we're blowing up things to 8k now yeah 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 no, so, I, I know and this might be more technical than than any of us are but like would there be like is it possible to make a 4k version of collateral yeah yeah no okay. I, I think it's there and i think it's possible but you're saying is it gonna look good though um well again <laughs> The movie looks like it was shot on a webcam, so it's yeah, like a lot of a lot of static. Like that's the <laughs> thing. It's like Michael Mann, like his his image of like at night blues, yeah, like dude, it's all gone <laughs> on those early prosumer digital cameras. Those suck. Yeah, you needed so there. much light. It's so, it, all all the cool things. He, you're absolutely right. All the cool things he does with color, just you can't do it. He couldn't mm-hmm. do it. And uh, the cinematographer on this film actually quit three weeks into filming. And I think he was like, I don't like what we're shooting. I don't like the way it looks like. And Michael Mann was like, well, three weeks. So we're almost done. (laughs) I think it's like kind of like it's kind of funny because I imagine their idea was like, oh, if we do this, we can it'll be cheaper and easier to make. Yeah. But then in the you know, in the long run, it's going to be like harder more difficult even so yeah and it just doesn't stand the test of time like I, no. i'm not going to say this movie is dated to the point where it's unwatchable but like i think when it, when you describe a dated movie i think it's more about like plot and character yeah and dialogue yeah not so much about cinematography like i think th- this you can accept this more right. than those other things being bad or dated um and it's still a great movie. Like I, I do think it is, regardless of what it looks like. Um, yeah, like I still like. I haven't seen this movie in so long, but like this movie still like holds like in my heart as like you said, like some of like Tom Cruise's best performance. Um, has that awesome line where it goes, "Hey, homie, is that my briefcase?" <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> I still think of that double tap through the glass Dude. where it's like, "That's so cool." Yo, that scene, that scene, Devin was just talking about the "Yo, homie, my you got my case." That apparently is being is studied in quick draw for quick draw shooting because really yeah he's so yeah he's so good at it he's so fast and accurate apparently he shot was it three four shots in under two seconds in that scene yeah. which is, is like, that huge. that's Tom Cruise right that's yeah Tom yeah Cruise. yeah this was like just Tom Cruise being a fucking maniac about it that's the thing it, like Tom Cruise off so well. He's like the most like close we'll get to like a Dragon Ball Z anime character. I think. <laughs> like there was and a period in time where he just had anime hair. Like that was his look. Yeah. And it's a shame because like the cost of that is you're just kind of a very weird man. Yeah. Probably no one will ever like love in a marriage. But well, like, well, hey, guys, there's there's light at the end of the tunnel here, because apparently the rumor is Tom Cruise hasn't been in a Scientology church in like four or five months. Oh, That's man. really rare for him. So Dude, maybe, maybe somebody's not. like, hey, you are very well liked. You get that, right? And he's like, no, 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 no. And they're like, no, like, seriously. Just going to get rid of you. Yeah, if you just didn't do this. <laughs> could you not? Could you stop? Like that's I would yeah. someone that, but nobody's gonna say that to Tom Cruise. Like but <laughs> of course not. Sad. I wouldn't I would love someone to just be like, just stop that. Dude, you don't have to. Like you've you've earned your spot, champ. Like, yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. have to do this. Like even if you are gay, which if they're if they're blackmailing you with that, no one cares. Like Oh man, wouldn't like, that be so sad? Yeah. If that was like why? 
You know? Well, that's that's the thing they say about Travolta. Like they, they have. Oh, okay. Like video. Huh. Or something. Well, I heard that they had a copy of the Fanatic they might release. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay. Oh, wait. Does that mean Steve is, is secretly. I'm going to say the Moose. The head of the, the church. Yeah. <laughs> this is, that's Steve-atology. That's how Steve got <laughs> it, man. He works for Scientology. Um, yeah. So, uh, great movie. Uh, Jamie Foxx gets a Best Supporting Actor nomination for this. Did he get nominated for this? And Ray in the same year? Crazy. Dude, yeah. Crazy. Crazy. One for Ray. Um, yeah. I, I talked about that. Uh, Val Kilmer was going to be up for the detective in this film. Okay. But, uh, I believe what was the movie he was shooting? Uh, Salt and Sea, I believe. So there was conflict, and they hired Mark Ruffalo. And this is the first time I ever seen Mark Ruffalo in a movie. The Buffalo. The Buffalo Ruffalo is buffling it up, and Ruffalo's collateral low. Yeehaw! Oh, sorry. Yeehaw! Um, yeah, it's definitely like a lot of these movies. The first time I've seen certain actors, like also in Collateral. Yavior Bardem. First time I ever seen him in a movie. Oh, Real, whoa. Yo, he's a fucking crime boss in this movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Good scene, too. He's got a cool little monologue and everything. Like, it's fucking. Is that great. when uh, Jamie Foxx goes in there as him? Yeah, as Vincent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, man collateral fucking rules. Yeah. And he's like, right. you know, because I lost my files, you can take a 25% cut on my pay. <laughs> that's much appreciated um, since man wanted Tom Cruise to be unrecognizable in this film which is to say that about Tom Cruise you must be talking out of your ass right <laughs> yeah. like, that's just ironic to even say um, but apparently Cruise ended up working covertly as a FedEx delivery man <laughs> yeah dude but like, what does that help? I don't know. I don't, I just, <laughs> like, what does that even you know do? What the, you know what it does, Devin? It makes me think that there was somebody. I can think of a story where somebody gets once gets packaged for FedEx, and it's Tom Cruise showing up at the door, giving them a package, and they're like, "What the fuck is going on?" And he was like, "See, he didn't say anything. He's probably so confused. He's like standing in his doorway with his hands out, like confused look, like, oh, the yeah, fuck? Uh, was that Tom Cruise? <laughs> it's really silly, right? Um." Yeah, this movie. I again, it is does look rough, but you know, like we keep saying, it's yeah. phenomenal. It's, it's and, literally technology, not anything else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think this is the highest grossing. No, it isn't. Never mind. Um, <laughs> it's the second highest grossing. Actually, no, this is the highest grossing. Highest grossing film with two hundred twenty million dollars in box office revenue, and it costs sixty five million to make. That's your digital camera money, baby. Mm. 65 mil to make a movie with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. Oh, and he went to Steve, he's taught at Steve's class and he said, This is the future of cinema. <laughs> it ain't ever looking better than this. this. This is so interesting. Okay, so collateral was shot on a combination of 35 millimeter and digital ah, video. That's right. The yeah, daylight scenes that. and most interiors were shot in 35 with Ariflex 435 cameras. Uh, but the nighttime scenes were shot in 1080p video yeah. using a Sony HDW F900. 
Let me tell you something. That is the closest we'll get to actually Tommy Wiseau's dream <laughs> of the room where he tied a film camera to it. That makes camera. sense. Dude. That makes sense why like the cinematographer probably jumped off. Yeah, that's fucking silly, right? And he he continues to do that. Like Miami Vice, same deal. It's a mixture of digital and film. And I believe it's not until uh, Black Hat that it's all digital. Mm. <sighs> Man, I'm I'm upset. I gotta talk about that soon. All right, um, Clarol, great, wonderful film. Let's move on. Uh, we got. Three more movies to go. Uh, Miami Vice is the next film on our list. I've never um, seen this one. This is... So it's a cult hit, apparently, because yeah. when it originally came out, it was kind of panned. It, it has a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes um, and an audience score of 43%. But, you know, as the years went by, people have been looking at this movie and thinking that it's actually pretty good. And... Actually, people call it a classic, and I think they're fucking insane, because it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not. It's okay. It's fine. Um, it's basically like an episode of Miami Vice, or five episodes of Miami Vice condensed. Like, all the plots in those five episodes condensed into one plot. And it's convoluted and over overwritten in a lot of ways. But you get some really cool performances from Jamie Foxx and a Colin Farrell that's clearly on cocaine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like he is, he's got that lower jaw just moving the whole time in this movie. Like he's not chewing gum, but he sure looks like he is, you know, <laughs> the coke jaw. Um, yeah, he's, he's really tooled up in this and he's very intense. And it adds to the movie because it's very, very dramatic, a little melodramatic, actually. Um, yeah, I don't think it's terrible, but I don't think it's great either. It's it's very much in the middle. Directed and written by Michael Mann. Both film, both this film and Collateral was shot with a Thompson Viper film stream camera and also used Super 35 millimeter. For this, it was used for the high-speed chases and the underwater shots, specifically the film camera. Um, it was described later on as dad rock film noir. It's, really, it's kind of insulting. Um, yeah, that's rough. Because there's a lot of audio slave in this movie, whether you like oh, him or not. No, dude. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Uh, <laughs> it was shot in the Caribbean, in Uruguay, and Paraguay, specifically Ciudad del Este, which is a city in Paraguay, um, which is pretty dangerous. And actually, that's part of one of the facts that I learned about this movie. It was considered a troubled production with a series of delays and conflicts. Several crew members criticized man for sudden script changes, filming in unsafe weather and choosing locations. Quote, even the police avoid drafting gang members as security. There's a lot of weird shit going on with the production of this movie. <laughs> this place in Paraguay that, I, is actually one of the main Ciudad del Este is the main one of the main places in Heat 2 uh, he, he revisits this place in the book that he wrote as a sequel oh. to Heat um, and the place is described as basically like the Wild West where there's a, a thriving black market where anything is sold where it's drugs or fucking 
anti-aircraft weapons and anti-radar systems for terrorist organizations. Like, it is a marketplace for all of the bad people in the world. And it's real. It's a real place. Um, very much part of the plot. The plot being um, there are white supremacists, Nazis, that are moving cocaine and drugs throughout Miami. And they're being supplied by the Colombians through go-fast boats that travel from uh, the Caribbean to Miami to deliver uh, lots of drugs. But there's also a subplot where there is a Nazi who's kidnapping people that are connected. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got you there, didn't I? Yeah. It's, 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 it's too much. It's too much. Um, it's just too much. And it this movie doesn't look great either i know a lot of people like talk about how this is like a testament of the time and it should be reviled as a film uh digital films first foray into the feature hollywood scene and i'm like i don't know about that i don't know about that i think it looks pretty rough yeah can i can i give you uh, a little bit so i was reading about colin farrell and yeah movie okay uh Colin Farrell says he cannot remember a single frame of doing this movie. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, he said, I'm off the... You start, he was just constantly on coke. Uh, I was yeah. at the premiere. I didn't know what was happening next, but it was strange because I was in it. Ugh. The movie was Miami Vice. The second it was finished, I was put on a plane and sent to rehab as everybody else went to the rap party. Um, and they talked about it. It was the press. And he's like, I was going to buy $2,000 worth of smack. And then shoot up until I die. <laughs> so Fuck uh, me, yeah, he was in a he Art, was in a man. dark spot when that when that movie was filming. <sighs> well, that's uh, kind of sad. But yeah, because he's like he's like I used to go crazy and then like take my foot off the gas. He says take my foot off the gas for two months to clean up, and then he, you know he's like I always had a high tolerance for it, but I guess you know that's what they all say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like you said, uh, he uh, you know. He looks coked out of his mind he's, in this movie. He's, he's vibing. He's vibing hard in this yeah, movie. Yeah, he's vibrating in some scenes. I think I would use that term. Yeah. That's how coked up he is. Um, so, it, the box office $164 million, uh, Budget, $135 million. A lot of money. A lot of money for this. I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, Runtime of 132 minutes. It was made in 2006. Um... Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's a fine movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Our friend Chris, uh, other Chris, he loves Miami Vice. It's, he is a Miami Vice uh, champion. I think it's it's a Michael Mann movie. It's well crafted, but the story is so convoluted. And maybe if yeah. you just don't pay attention to the story and just let the visuals kind of wash over you, that's something. Sure. Yeah. Maybe so, you, you know, it's interesting, too, because like, he so Michael Mann was a producer on Miami Vice, the show. Yeah, Apparently and he only wrote one episode of the show. I think he directed it too. He directed it. I think he directed one episode. Like it's, well, I mean, he directed this movie, obviously, but like, yeah, he did. He like, I don't know how you just become a producer of an of an eighty show, especially when like you're, I mean, you you know you're profile's not that high built well but. you gotta you gotta be careful because like i know titles for television they changed over the years because like producers 
could be executive producers, you know, executive yeah. producers now, which are like showrunners. Yeah, actually, I'm sorry. Yeah, and I think officially his title was executive producer yeah, of, there you go. of the show. So I'm sure he was kind of doing what the, the Joss Whedon thing, where he wasn't writing yeah. every episode, but he was in the room and kind of navigating it and making the show that is there uh, i mean i know you're just real quick on this but yeah. like is there are they playing the same characters in the movie crockett and tubs yeah yeah, yeah i've never watched movies. a single frame of either the show or movie miami vice you know what steve was saying with like the vince gilligan connection yeah, Miami, there are episodes of Miami Vice that look exactly like the Mike parts in Better Call Saul. Mm. Like they're so similar in the way they're shot and the color compositions, you know, like there's a lot that they took from that show, particularly the cinematography. Because this is a cool looking show. Show looks yeah. really cool. It's not the best show. It's not well written or anything. It's just yeah, cool. But it's just visual. I mean, yeah, like it's like Miami. It was a you know, it was like a Baywatch. It was Miami Vice. A Baywatch with like a brain behind the camera that knew how to make yeah. good shots, you know? Like, that's basically it. Uh, have you seen the Rock movie called Baywatch? <laughs> no, I'm good. Me. Uh, did Michael Mann direct that? Because I'm not talking about it if he didn't, right? <laughs> um, next movie on our list is Public Enemies, directed by Michael Mann, written by Ronan Bennett, and Bitterman and Michael Mann himself. This has oh, one of my, my personal favorite Galani anecdotes. Yeah, what's that? Uh, you We watched this movie. No, I think we met up with you at the theater because you were okay. watching a double feature. You watched this and then you watched something with us. Hmm. And then you were waiting oh, for us. <laughs> you were waiting for us and we got there and then you were there early. And a bunch of people walked out of the viewing of Public Enemies and you had seen it previously. Mm-hmm. And you just said, yeah, I know. I was disappointed, too. You just kind of like, as they walk by, you're like, yeah, no, it was, I was really upset, too. Yeah, it's not good. It's a shame. You how bad that was? You just walk by and he's like, I just saw a sea of the faces that were just like, we saw a very not great movie. And they're like, yeah, I know. No, I was excited, too. This movie looks, sounds, and is directed like a reenactment you would watch on the History Channel of John Dillinger robbing banks. Like, that's <laughs> the best way I could describe it. Because, like, I'm sure the acting's better, of course. Like, Johnny Depp's is good in this. But, like, yeah, the way it's shot and how, like, muffled everything is. Like, this is a real problem I have with Michael Mann movies. Like, sometimes they're too quiet. Sometimes his, his sound design is not present enough. Like sleep-inducing. Yeah, almost. exactly. Yeah, it's... um, I don't know. He's... Again, I, I've never seen this movie because I think you... When it, when you told me, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to see this. There's no need to see like, this. <laughs> he has... Michael Mann can be shockingly dry. Yeah, and emotionless. And and emotionless. Yeah, and you're like, why, though? Because you've done such good work. but And it's crazy that it's so cold and dry in this movie because it's about like, again, one of the most charismatic criminals in American history. You would think it would be bright and wild and action packed, but it's slow and laborious. And I could barely understand Christian Bale in this movie. Cause he whispers every line. Um, it's just, it's, it's bleh, bleh. <laughs> That's how I would describe this movie. Yeah. Bleh. Um, 
I'm kind of shocked I watched it twice. Um, <laughs> not very historically accurate. Yeah, that that brings them into the theater when you tell them that at a time. <laughs> it's like, what am I seeing this? What's the fucking point? Um, hey, Devin, blink if you miss it. Rolls. Don Fry, the UFC fighter, is in this movie. Oh, <laughs> as a gangster, I guess. No, he's an FBI agent. Oh, yo, Don Fry rules, by the way. Yeah, he's, he's really got a cool. look, doesn't he? <laughs> he does have the look. Uh, he looks like a yes. psycho in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and Channing Tatum as Pretty Boy Floyd. He's uh, blinking, you miss it. Kind of, kind of roll in this. Um, Lloyd Mayweather, huh? Uh, pretty bad boy. move by Channing Tatum to portray <laughs> Floyd Mayweather. Not Floyd Mayweather, not the boxer, <laughs> the, the bank robber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm, sorry. I, I'm looking at Don Fry in this movie. Yeah, um, originally slated as a miniseries at HBO, the author of the book was based that the book was based. The author of the book, the film was based on, was given the task as a writer of the show. His drafts were turned down, however. Due to them being very, very bad quoted, like Ishtar bad. Ooh. I love when Wikipedia finds these like quotes. You know, these like <laughs> apocryphal quotes. Like, who said this? Throwing some hate at Ishtar. Dang. Yeah. That's, a, <laughs> well, that's a poll. That's a poll. And a lots of people hate Ishtar, but. I mean, I can tell by this quote somebody old said this because nobody brings mm. up Ishtar anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest, I don't know what Ishtar is. I've never Ishtar seen it. is a lovely film featuring Warren Beatty and um, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. And they play comedians that go to Afghanistan? Uh, uh, two terrible lounge singers get booked to play a gig in a Moroccan hotel. Moroccan. Become, and somehow they become pawns in an international power play between the CIA and Ishtar and rebels trying to overthrow the regime. Yeah, it's awful. It's a considered a classic. This bomb. is worse than Ishtar. <laughs> need an old man. It's an old man. Old man. Uh, uh, Leo had the rights to the film afterwards and wanted to play Dillinger. His production company produced it. Fortunately, he left to work on Shutter Island. So I think he made the right choice because this movie stinks. Um, uh-huh. This film became embroiled in the film tax credit debate because apparently Wisconsin, for the scenes that were shot in Wisconsin, Production spent five million dollars. Wisconsin gave them back four point six million dollars. Whoa! Of that money, which is that's no- cheese money, bro. That's fucking heck? cheese money. They didn't they didn't spend any money in Wisconsin. They gave it all back. It's crazy. They earned money in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, right. Don like Fry the- just went to Wisconsin and he was like, "I will fuck everyone in here if you don't give me my money." And Mike and Jay are going all right, to Don right now. Fry. <laughs> uh, Rotten Tomatoes score 68% audience score 59% box office 214 million dollars don't sleep on that shockingly a lot well 10 of my dollars went to that so <laughs> yeah well, part of the problem like Chris 100 Devin dollars <laughs> whoa that's right. also accurate <laughs> Uh, budget of ninety million because this, I believe, is the first one hundred percent all digital film. I'm pretty sure. Like he, this is oh. the first Michael Mann movie all digital. Uh, Runtime of one hundred and forty minutes. That's just me saying it while watching it. I didn't see any film in this. Maybe I'm I'm crazy. But you no know, um, film in this film. 
Ain't no film in this film. Give it back. I want my money back, Mike. <laughs> give me my money back. There ain't no film in this Yo, movie. Yo, Mike, give me my money back, man. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and the last film on our list, which is arguably the worst. Pro- no, not arguably. is the worst. Uh, that is Black Hats. Ooh. You guys even heard of this movie? Devin, you heard of this movie? Uh, so I remember. So I didn't know, and I, I looked it up. Honestly. Oh, you looked it up. All right. You didn't know what yeah, it was. Yeah, no. And I was like... I was like, I remember seeing this tra- trailer for this movie and going, who on earth is going to see this? <laughs> Very true. Because this is like, this is like when Hollywood was still thinking these movies could actually make money. Yeah. And because this was like post Thor one or two or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yep, like yep, yep. 2015. Yeah. Because Chris Hemsworth is, is the main character. And it's just like. Yeah, no, dude. Like nobody gives a fuck about Chris Hemsworth in a weird spy thriller. Like, yeah, they want to see him swing a hammer. I think. I think then, even Chris yeah. Hemsworth. He has a quote here that says, "On his production, I didn't enjoy what I did in the film. It just felt flat, and I also attempted to do what I thought people wanted to see. But I don't think I'm good in that space. Like even he was like, this is not." I'm it's a downer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm completely miscast in this movie. <laughs> I cannot. Why am I a hacker? Because yeah, he's like he plays like a hacker or something. He's like a desk jockey, isn't he? Yeah, and he's like ripped out of his mind in jail, which <laughs> and you know, six foot four and beautiful and like gorgeous man. He's <laughs> hacking into the NSA. Like that's not the people that hack it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think miscast is just like the the word. It's like, dude, you're not the guy. Silly. Uh, directed by Michael Mann, written by Morgan Davis. Fool. So it was um, good. Okay. It, was, it was the best one. No. Oh, oh. This is awful. Man was inspired to make this film after learning about Stuxnet, a computer worm that targeted the reportedly and reportedly ruined almost a fifth. Iran's nuclear centrifuges. So that happened. That did happen. I mean, like this cool. makes me think Michael Mann's really boring at parties. Like, I think I, I read this article about this digital worm. The correct like, temperature yeah. to melt any precious metal is like you. That's would and be you're like, dude. Shut up, you nerd! Like y'all, y'all hear about my worm? <laughs> I made mean, a movie about a worm with Chris Hemsworth's worm. He's the know. worm now. <laughs> <laughs> whoa he's a total creepo too yeah oh, uh, man. the film was one of the worst abuse ever for a movie playing in over 2500 locations also had the sixth biggest drop in history for a third week film uh, okay. that's some baseball stats right there but still it's not something to chew on something to chew on I mean well, I don't know what else to talk about this movie is so fucking boring yeah. it's unbelievable this was his last movie he made yeah this was Man, I mean that's still a long time ago, but that is. You, under, you understand why he's not working anymore. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah, because it was like Miami Collateral, which is dope, but I think like a modest hit. Yeah, Miami Vice didn't do well. Public Enemies didn't really do no. super well. Public Enemies did amazing. Oh, I'm sorry, eight million. Um, very right, yeah, well. no, I'm sorry. Yeah, and then Black Hat just ate complete shit. Yeah, box office nineteen point seven million, a budget of seventy million. Nineteen million dollars for a movie that came out in twenty fifteen. It's crazy. It's crazy yeah. low. So what movies were out in twenty fifteen? The Martian. I'd rather see that. Uh, the Avengers Age of Ultron. I would see that. 
Ant Man. Rather see that. Uh, Dragon Ball just, Z Resurrection F. Rather yeah, classic. see that. Classic, classic anime. Anime. Um, yeah, the, uh, it sucks to end on this. Rotten Tomatoes score thirty two percent. Audience score twenty four percent. This is a shitty movie. Don't watch it. That's it's, it's fair. Michael Mann's career as a whole, very hit or miss. Like, I, I, I really, the movies that he makes that I love, I love. Like, I love with a capital L. But the movies he makes that I don't like, I could have never watched and been a lot happier. Like, <laughs> that's, yeah. It's a crazy polar opposite, you know? Um, but, yeah, I, I do think he's a good director when he wants to be. I think when he's got a good script and good actors, he can make a phenomenal movie. But I think it takes a either really, really, really crazy performance or a, a incredible script where characters that you care about to really push Michael Mann over the line. And that's that's my observation on this. I love movies about lonely dudes. I do. I think they're some of the best movies ever written. You know, Taxi Driver, all these other films. What if you're a lonely, beautiful six foot five, ripped up hacker? Well, don't worry. You'll be taken out of jail by your your Chinese buddy who works in the government for some reason, and uh, you'll be yeah. fine. You'll be fine. Man, I was like looking up like 2015 as a as a year, and I was like, okay, okay. And I was Not like, crazy. oh wait, Mad Max. Ah, there it Sicario, is. Sicario. Uh, There's the rub. Bone Tomahawk, The Witch. Bone Tomahawk's great. Yeah. Um, um, well, that's uh, an episode of Galani and Chill in the Can, folks. <sighs> Man, I don't, um, I don't know what I'm doing next. I have no clue. Ooh, oh, what kind hmm. of itches did this did this scratch? Like, um, what, what, like getting getting watching a lot of Michael Mann movies. Like, what what were you like? I'm I feel sated on this type of movie. True crime. Okay, okay. True crime. I am completely sated on that for now. If anything, probably a horror would be a good change of pace. Or comedy. You watch all the hostile movies. <laughs> no, don't do that. They're all, they're all pretty bad. Um, I don't want to do that. I'm not no, doing it. Please don't. Please don't. Nope. Shit. Um, we'll figure yeah, it out. I don't know. We'll man. figure it out. We'll figure um, it out. You don't do this now. You don't do this yeah. now. We got it. SEO. SEO says RoboCop. SEO. Yeah, it's the SEO auditory. The, the character from Assassin's Creed 2? Yeah, yeah. Tell me to watch Robocop. Yeah, those okay, Robocop movies. My um, move. And then the game's coming out soon, right? That's what I'm yeah. saying. That's why SEO is so happy about it. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you know, I love it. That's only three movies, though. That's, that's only three, three movies. Right. Ooh, what, if, what if you, what if you, wait, did you do Paul, Ver, Paul Verhoeven? No, good one. There you go. Did I do Paul Verhoeven? <laughs> you, did oh, you watch man. Showgirls? Did you watch Showgirls? No, I didn't watch Showgirls. No, I remember that. I've never Dude. seen Showgirls, so I remember watching that. If man, I can. wait, Good let's call. let's just do a quick. I just want to do a quick. What what is this guy now? Thirty four on his IMDb. Right? There's gonna be three movies I love. I know it. I'm yeah, right. It's like in. I'm good. Dude, I'm there's a three. lot of shit, and then RoboCop. And I'm not saying shit. It's just like. Yeah, he was definitely doing this in his native country, and then I would be curious to see what his first films are, though. That's something because um, I love Robocop so much. You know, uh, Ein Hagedis Tivil. Who? Did you make that up? 
Uh, hey, yo. No, this is, oh, no, I'm sorry. It's a short. It doesn't count. It's a short. Yep. Um, There's our real movies. Shorts aren't movies. Shorts yeah, are movies. and Eek, Turkish Delights, Katie Ooh. Tipple, Soldier of Orange, Spedders. Ooh, Vorbeige. The Fourth Man, Flesh, Spedhead, Plus Blood. It's all before Robocop? And then Robocop. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then he went on. Dude, look at this run. Robocop, Total Recall, Basic Instincts, Showgirls, which killed him. <laughs> Starship Troopers, which didn't make any money, which sucks. Yeah, Hollow Man, which secretly fucking rules. Okay. Uh, this, this is a Hollow Man house right here. Yeah, Hollow Man house. And then, <laughs> uh, and then a bunch of stuff I've never heard of. Okay. Trent, Black Book. I've heard of Black Book. Ellie? Uh, Ellie. Black, he got he got a lot of flack for that because it was like a 19-year-old girl that's nude. You're at like the whole movie. And they're like, that's awful. And he's like, whatever, she's 19, dude. Did he say that like that? Probably. Come on, dude. Well, he's German, so he's probably like, she's 19, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's yeah, I, age. I can do it. I think he was like, what is this technology? A, a squib? Oh, I know what to do. And then, <laughs> then he changed cinema forever. Secret Nazi, though. I'm just kidding. Ooh, I'm don't, just oh, kidding. that would ruin it. That would I'm ruin my life. I'm me. just joking. Don't. I never say. I love Paul Verhoeven. Man, it's like, what did you do, Paul? You fucked up. It's okay. He's not like that. Because, like, oh. you made such amazing stuff. And then. Hey, you know, he wanted to make his own shit. Maybe that's. He fell out a little bit of a hole. I don't, I don't mind going yeah. down a hole. I don't mind going down a hole. But I yeah. feel like the Michael <laughs> Mann. Here, folks, Chris, I don't mind going down a hole. I have no problem going down a hole. If you got interesting ideas, you're a director, you want to dig a hole, I'm going in that hole. That's fine. All right. Going to my Benedetta movie 2021. All right. Benedetta. I remember hearing about that, actually. It was a lot of drama because it's like super sexy and she's a nun. Sweet. What a sexy nun. And, you know, Benedetta. I love sexy nuns. But there's giant alien space bugs in it, too, right? <laughs> Better be. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. yeah, for sure. Well, folks, uh, that about wraps her up for this episode of Galani and Chill. You've been Michael Mann. Um, oh. I assure you, a director, not the lamest superhero ever. He is a director, Michael Mann. Um, go check out his movies, man. Go check out Heat. If you haven't seen Heat, you're an I, 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 I wouldn't say you're an idiot. <laughs> you're just, you're, you're missing, you're really missing. If you've choose, chosen, if you could have seen Heat and haven't, you are an idiot. You are an idiot. Um, but outside of that, you should do yourself a favor and watch Heat. Go watch, watch Heat. Heat. Watch Last Mohegans. Figure out what all the big deal is about hockey masks. <laughs> it's not just Jason Voorhees. So cool. <laughs> so cool. Uh, all right. Well, that wraps her up, folks. I hope you have a good night. This is Galani signing off. Later.